Today is Thursday of Holy Week, and on Thursday, we want to enter into the, the difficulty and the darkness that Jesus experienced on the night before he was crucified, abandoned and alone in the garden, watching, praying. And our passage is going to be Isaiah 63, 1 through 6, and Isaiah 60 all the way through 63 paint this incredible picture of this figure, this anointed one who's going to come and accomplish salvation, going to accomplish redemption. In fact, all of Isaiah paints a 
composite picture of what was for Isaiah a mysterious figure who won in chapters 1 through 35 would be the great Messiah, the king of the nations. And then, and then from chapter 40 to about chapter 59, towards the end of 59, there's another mysterious figure, the suffering servant who's going to bear their burdens and pay the penalty. And then starting the end of 59 and 60, there's a new figure that comes on the scene, this anointed conqueror who's going to be victorious and bring about the Lord's victory. But from Isaiah's perspective, it's a mystery. Who is this? Is it three different people? One person doing all three? And here in chapter 63, we get this image of the anointed one who has completed his task. And what is his task? You can see at verse 1, he is mighty to save. It's salvation. See at verse 4, he planned the day of vengeance. So it's salvation, but also a day of vengeance, retribution, justice, and then the year of redemption. So this anointed one who will bring about salvation, vengeance, and redemption. And here in this, in these six verses, 63, 1 through 6, we actually get a picture of the Savior as he's completed his task. In 62, that we saw yesterday, we're called to watch for the coming one, to cry out to him to complete his task. Now we're invited into the middle of a scene where we see him after he is finished. He has actually accomplished the Lord's vengeance. Now the work is finished. And so as you read through this passage, a couple things to think about, because it paints a picture of a bloodstained warrior who's just come off the field of battle. And that idea of the day of the Lord's vengeance, it's something that can make us uncomfortable. It's a word that has connotations of deliberately harbored malice and personal vindictiveness. You know, it brings up, in one sense, the opposite of love, our conception of love. In fact, Monday, Thursday, which today is Monday, is not Monday, it's Monday, and it comes from the Latin for commandment, Jesus' commandment to love one another as I have loved you. And so how are these two things compatible? The Lord bringing vengeance, or maybe a better word for us that actually is justice, retribution. How does that, how is that compatible with his loving, gracious character? It's important for us to remember that the Bible insists that there is a proper time and place for vengeance or for justice. For without it, a whole host of evils that have never been put to right would left go undealt with. And there, in essence, would be no moral government of the universe. It is the final calling to account of those who have oppressed others, committed acts of great wickedness, and have apparently gotten away with it. So the vengeance we see here is punishment, but it's punishment with a sharp edge. There's not necessarily any malice or vindictiveness involved. Those things are aberrations caused by our own human sin. But the wrongdoer is confronted in a very personal way with the wrong that they have done. They're brought to an account for it. So the vengeance that he brings in this passage is the completion of, in essence, the tables being turned. And what's central here is the special attack and hatred that God's special objects, the people in 62, his bride that he loves and cherishes, it's retribution for the oppression that they have experienced throughout their history. And it often seems that those who reject the Lord and mock his people and his will and his ways, do so with complete impunity. And there's no consequences. But this passage assures us that nothing we suffer will ever go unnoticed and that every wrong done will be repaid in full in some way. 
It answers our deep cry for justice. And it takes, a, but the, the beauty is it takes a responsibility for achieving that out of our hands and places it in the only hands in which it properly belongs. It's the Lord himself who is the avenger. When you read this, notice in verse 1, he's coming out of Edom. Edom is symbolic of the settled opposition to God and his people. It's the land of the enemy, the land of hostility. As Israel was coming out of the Exodus, they were coming, passing through their own land, the land of uh, their brother, Edom, Esau's descendants. They were going to a place where they should have received welcome and refuge and care, and yet they were attacked and rejected. They came to their own, but their own did not receive them. That's what Edom is, the land of hostility and rejection. And then you read in his garments that we've seen, he joyfully in 61 put on these garments of salvation, but now those garments are covered in blood. You want to ask, why is he blood covered, blood stained? And then you read through and see he's planned a day of vengeance and a year of redemption, but he looked and there was none to help. Verse 5, I was amazed that no one assisted me, so my arm accomplished the victory for me. Is why was he all alone? Did all who were meant to help him abandon him? Why is it that redemption had to be accomplished all alone? So did you read through this passage and think today about the darkness that Jesus entered before he went to the cross? This passage gives us a very graphic picture of God's passion for justice and who it is that will bring about redemption. And it should turn our hearts to celebrate. That before Jesus came to bear the sword, he first on the cross bore the sword. Sins will be paid for, either by us at judgment or by him on the cross. Now, traditionally on Monday, Thursday, what we've celebrated and been thankful for is not just a remembrance of his abandonment, but also a celebration of the gift of communion. That's when he instituted the sacrament, the Lord's Supper. And that's our thankful reminder of his promise for eternal life. So our prayer today is Almighty Father, whose most dear Son, on the night before he suffered, instituted the sacrament of his body and blood, mercifully grant that we may receive it in thankful remembrance of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who in these holy mysteries gives us a pledge of eternal life, and who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heaven.